The Vancouver Canucks started at the top of the hierarchy in terms of playoff contention. And then they started going down, down, down. And pretty soon at this rate, they're going to be hitting the basement floor. And who knows, maybe even lower than that. We talk about the very tough couple of weeks that Bruce Boudreaux had to face, the rumors he had to face off the ice, not to his own fault, and how he was able to handle it, and more importantly, where the Canucks go from here. All that and more and a lot of juicy appetizers in episode 349 of the Lace Them Up podcast, which starts right now. And now, it's time to Lace Them Up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. Before we get to the tire fire that is Vancouver, let's go to Philadelphia, where earlier this week, Brett, um, in a warm-up of all places, there was uh, huge, huge news that uh, goes beyond the ice. Yeah, I hate when I hate these stories. It's it's one of yeah. those things that you know. It's like it reminds me back with the Mitchell Miller stuff and the. Um, the Kyle Beach situation, it's like, I mean, I know obviously this is, this is just one dude's opinion, but um, it just sets hockey back uh, so much. Um, it's just crazy. But yeah, basically, um, Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, he, um, so it was Pride Night in Philadelphia. I think this was on a Tuesday, is that right? It might have been a Wednesday. It was Monday or Tuesday, yeah, yeah very right. early in the week. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it was Pride Night for them um, in, to the point where, um, well, first off, I didn't know this before all this stuff broke down, but Gritty is a big supporter of LGBTQ rights. Um, so it's, uh, so good on him. Um, so is Scott Lawton and JVR. Um, I do want to include the the actual allies of the story as well. Um, in fact, that they're they're making like a they have like a fundraiser or an organization now that's based off of like uh, helping kids who are gay in the um, in the Philadelphia area learn to play hockey and, and just education and, and just giving them support in general. So Scott Lawton and JVR deserve a lot of credit for that as well. But uh, the reason why we're talking about this, unfortunately, um, is because Ivan Provorov uh, say, uh, refused to wear a rainbow jersey um, for pregames, which is literally like 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Like, I, I, I literally want to say that that's how crazy this, this story is, is that he all he had to do was wear uh, a rainbow jersey um, for 10 minutes that like I would like no one else other you know obviously it's meaningful for people in Philadelphia but like we wouldn't have like it wouldn't have been this big of a story if he had just worn the jersey uh, for 10 minutes um, and the re uh, and he said that the reason why he did this was because it was against his religious beliefs um, he, it's something like 
it's something Russian, like Russian Catholic, or I forget the exact Russian Orthodox, I believe. Russian Orthodox. The that, uh, this is the yeah. same religious cult that Pavel Datsuk is um, in, um, and I imagine a lot of Russian players are also in. Um, you also have to keep in mind that, like, in Russia, like, if even if you're not in this cult, um, I say it as a cult because it's definitely not a religion, um, is that in Russia, they are very, like, it's, it's pretty much, like, very tough to be LGBTQ in Russia. Uh, they have a lot yeah. of censorship laws, um, even with this religious cult anyways. Um, it's like pretty much the similar, similar to like the Westboro Baptist Church here. Um, yeah, getting ridiculed is is half the battle. Yeah. Sometimes it's even worse like basically their main the, principle is their main principle is they hate gay people. Um, so so if you count that as a religion, I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, but basically, Pravorov by the statement is saying that he is a bigot. Um, and if you can't tell, I don't like this guy, um, and, and Steve doesn't either, uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just ridiculous, um, and I think the, what, and then, um, and then what was kind of crazy, uh, not kind of crazy, it was crazy, uh, is Torts said that, uh, he was asked about this, um, after it, and he said that he wouldn't play because of his religious beliefs, um, and uh, he had to respect his choices because he's just being himself or whatever, um, which is ridiculous um, because he not only let him play, but he also gave him the most ice time, which is 22 minutes of any player in the, on, on that day, um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I know that he's like, you know, their, their, their best defenseman, but he's not even doing that well. And it's like also a few weeks ago, he uh, towards had seemingly healthy scratch Kevin Hayes, who was their best player for no reason. Um, and we still don't know why he healthy scratch Kevin Hayes. Um, although, and then there was also a story a couple of years ago when um, back when the Colin Kaepernick kneeling at the national anthem was a big story. Um, uh, Torts had famously said that he would bench, um, he would healthy scratch anyone who would kneel at a national anthem, any of his players, um, and um, and then he later like backtracked and said that he understands that it wasn't like a disregard for the military or something like that, but he was he kind of backtracked on this. So, like th this factor is also kind of crazy too, is that like Torts was like, you have to respect him or you have to do this. Um, and that, that part is also insane to me. Um, I think like when I was, uh, when, like afterwards, I guess the, the fact that because Provorov cited this as religious rights, um, that would mean that he isn't like, like it, it's like tough to like, like healthy scratch someone because of like he cites his religious rights. Um, but I don't know. I feel like you have to take a stand if you're the Flyers. Um, I know that you would get into legal jargon and, and all that stuff, but it's just it's just a tremendously terrible look um, for the Philadelphia for for hockey in general, because uh, especially um, in 
Um, you know, they have the You Can Play program. Every team has a Pride Night now. Um, yeah. And every, um, you know, like Brian Burke's son um, is like a part of that You Can Play program. We have Luke Prokop, who I believe he's in the OHL now, but he's a National Predators uh, prospect. Not OHL, but a prospect who came yep. out as gay. Yep. Yep. Uh, he came out. Um, and it's like. He, you know, you would like to think that the NHL, like, you know, uh, openly NHL player has never happened yet. But I can't imagine if I was, one, a fan of the Philadelphia Flyers, and particularly uh, if you loved Provorov and you're gay, I don't think, I like, you know, that, that's that got to be particularly hard. Um, and it's, it's hard for the NHL because it's like they can't really say that they're inclusive when they have someone like Provorov um, who, like, they didn't even punish him at all uh, for, for his actions. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just a sad story overall. Um, I don't, like, I mean, I, I, there was Wyshynski, before I bring it back to you on your, on your thoughts, um, Wyshynski, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN had mentioned that um, it's like, in a way, this has kind of been a big, like, it's a show of how much progress LGBTQ in the NHL has has gone. Because 15 years ago, there were hardly any Pride Nights. And if there were, only like one or two players would be wearing these types of jerseys in the pregame. And now you have um, every player uh, playing, you know, who, uh, except for Provorov where it's like a big deal when a, a player isn't wearing one of these jerseys. And also, like, it's just it's just a show of, of that. And the other point that he made, too, was that if you're... Like, yeah, uh, ultimately, Provorov has this opinion that gay people are evil people um, and don't deserve anything. And... That's a bad opinion. We can all, a lot of people disagree with it. And we have every right to boo him um, whenever he touches the puck, whenever he speaks. Um, and we have a, every right to, you know, kind of, uh, you know, say that he, like, yeah, he can say, he can do and, and say whatever he wants. But the fans, everyone around him has also a right to be against him as well. Um, and I, I guess apparently, like, even before this, I'm sorry, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but, um, also apparently, like, before this, there was kind of a, a beef with Provorov and the organization as a whole, too, so there may, it may not just be because of this stunt that he pulled, but it, it's like, it seemed like Provorov was on his way out, um, but it, it is crazy that, like Provorov is even a bigger bag of s, uh, and Tony D'Angelo's on the team. <laughs> so uh, he's he's. I was wondering yeah. going to mention that. Yeah, it's yeah, just exactly. like, hey, Tony D'Angelo picked a yeah. Stake By the way, I, I yeah, Tony D'Angelo has no opinions on this apparently, but um. Did yeah. he wear the pride jersey though? Did he, he did. He did wear the pride jerseys. That's true. Okay, um, I'll get. I'll give him that. He wore yeah. the jersey. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So. So he, he's not as bad as Provorov. Um, I never thought that would be possible, but 
Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, I, I know I said a lot. I, I know that off the screen we kind of have the similar thoughts, but do you have any more thoughts? Wasn't there a tweet that you forwarded to me that he might be breaching his contract as well? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was something to that, that, like, there is, like, something in the contract that mentioned how, like, if you're, uh, you have to be involved in team events, and this would, this Pride Night would constitute as a it's team a event. Team end, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so, so, yeah, I don't know if, if, if that's gonna, like, you know, if, if anyone's gonna bring that up, or what, like, if there's any further news from that, but yeah, that's something to. I think to learn from this, they should. They it should be an off-season topic. Yeah, that people bring it for sure. Um, anyway, so for Evan Provorov, I'm mostly mad, yes, but also disappointed. Disappointed that he doesn't really seem to have an open mind to think about the bigger picture. You can have your beliefs. You can believe what you want. That's fine, but. Think about how your actions are affecting people. Think of how many Flyers fans you just lost. How many Flyers fans are thinking twice about supporting this team when they don't even have the chance to reprimand a guy? And you know what, John Tortorella, in in his defense, maybe he was told by the team, I'm not saying this happened, maybe he was told by the team, hey, don't bench him. And yeah. he had to find a way around that. that. That could be a possibility. We don't know if that's a possibility. Yeah. Uh, or if that's true, it it could be a possibility that Tortorella was told, don't bench Proby. He's playing tonight. And maybe he didn't have a choice and he had to defend that. Perhaps. Yeah, I guess. I was looking at, I was looking at the presser and it's just like, he, he was, it, like, how do you defend that? Well, so. It's, 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 to me, so it's indefensible. In, in, in uh, response to that, like, yeah, I, I agree with you that there is like a possibility that because he cited religious beliefs, like, the team had already sent out a statement, by the way, yeah, on yeah. that matter, and he referred true. to that statement in his press conference. Yeah, yeah. And so maybe he was afraid of contradicting it. That, that, that's true, but he also, like, he said that he respected, he went out of his way to say that he respected his choice. Yeah, that part I don't agree with, especially <laughs> right. when you bench Kevin Hayes for... for we no still reason. don't know why he did that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. So, so, so there's there's that side of things. Anyway, getting back to the Provorov thing, what also sucks is the fact that we are talking about one guy that didn't wear the jersey, whereas that's taking away from all of the other guys yep. that did wear the jersey. And that's what this is all about. True. It's all about a team coming together as one and supporting this community that has had to go through so much in, yep. in, in in their lives and they know people that have gone through a lot and just want to be accepted and belong mm-hmm. and this hockey is for everyone thing this was all about them this was their night and the team was trying to show hey we have your back and one guy not having your back for 10 to 15 minutes is the talk of the town after the game during the game before the game and 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 that's just not right to the philadelphia flyers but um you know, you you gotta you gotta yeah. take. Um, I mean, you gotta take the bad with the good, and and you know, hold people accountable. Yeah. And the fact that he wasn't suspended by the team for that game, I think the NHL should have forced them to suspend him. And here's why. Remember in the All Star game, I don't know if you do this, but there was a rule, and I remember because I think Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby mm-hmm. were suspended the one game following the All Star break because they didn't take part in the event. So you could get suspended for that, but yeah. when it comes to this, eh, 
nothing to see here. Yeah. No suspension necessary. I think a mandatory one-game suspension if you refuse to put on the jersey. And I know yeah. a lot of people are going to get perturbed by that, but it's just a saying, hey, if you're going down this route, there is a consequence for you. You'll be suspended for that game, and you'll have a lot of questions to answer from the media and the public eye. And that's going to be for Ivan Provorov to deal with from now and uh, from now to the end of his career till the day he retires and beyond that. He is going to be asked probably a lot about yeah. this incident, and it'll be up to him to defend nobody else. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I have a few thoughts on that, because one on the NHL um, doing something, I think that's also one of those things that because Provorov, like, cited religious beliefs, like, just, like, that would set, like, a weird precedent that, like, oh, like, because then you could do that for, like, let's say a Jewish player... Uh, takes off because of Shabbat or whatever, or you know, a Christian yeah. does a similar thing. So again, you, and this, yeah. this again, is why you know, this should, yeah. event should be talked about in the off season because there are yeah, questions yeah. that need to be addressed here. Yeah, um, and then uh, there's but a there few other be points. There's some form there. of a, a, a reprimand because I feel like you've yeah. alienated. Oh no, I, I totally, doing this. I totally agree with you, and like you know, the fact that we even consider it a religion is is beyond me. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, there was a few other points that you made, but um, I I forgot it now. But yeah, that, that was the, the big one there. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think it's... Oh, I, I guess, like, oh, one other point that you made was how, like, this kind of um, made this into a bigger story. Um, and, you know, the thing is, is that, yes, it, this shouldn't be a story, and it, it should, the story should really be on how, how meaningful this is to the LGBTQ community that's been through so much. However, like, this is the perfect reason why we need all these yeah. different events. And a reminder that we have a long yeah. way to go still. You're exactly. Right, 100%. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely unfortunate, and I, I agree with you a lot. Like, this made Fox News. <laughs> like, that's yeah, well, how insane it, it is. I worked for a radio station. They were yeah. talking about it the next day it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The following exactly. day, they were talking about it on the news. Exactly. Like, they were talking about it in show segments and all that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. So It goes beyond yeah. the game. It's a bigger yeah. issue than the game of hockey itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about actual hockey here. Um, yeah. Because uh, we could talk about how, how disappointing that, that whole thing is. Um, all right, uh, so we're going to start off with some, uh, some extension contract extension news here. Uh, first off, we have Matthew Boldy, who signed an extension for seven years uh, with $7 million. Um, Matt Boldy has actually had a pretty good season so far, um, 32 points in 45 games. Last year, for reference, he had 39 points in 47 games. So he's almost about to eclipse his... Um, his uh, rookie season already, um, and uh, you know he has a couple, uh, like a, about a couple more games left. Um, although I guess I didn't realize that he played forty-seven games last year as well. So, um, but yeah, so so that's that's good for them, um, and of course they still have the, um, uh, you know the Zach Parise and Ryan Suter situation with buyouts. So that's the only thing that's kind of unfortunate too 
Um, but they do, uh, it looks like, I think you were telling me that Matt Dumba has been healthy scratch the last couple of games. Um, last two games, yes. Last two games. I wonder if there's like a trade that's imminent um, that's, that's in the work. So. He's, yeah. been, he's been on the block for a couple of years now, yeah. and uh, now that he's on a contract here, yep. and the and that Minnesota might, you know, be wanting to look for like, I don't know, a, a reliable center for Kaprizov, yeah. Um, yeah, he be... could probably be the sacrificial lamb to make that happen. Yeah, we, we might be talking about that in a couple minutes. Um, but yes, yeah, well, uh, I think we're talking about the same player. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, yeah, no, I, 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 it looks here on their cap friendly page that they have three point seven million in cap space um, this year. So they they could afford to make some moves at the very least. But it's also it's something to keep an eye on, I guess, is that they have uh, Kaprizov on a long term deal worth nine million. Uh, you have Joel Erickson Eck on a long-term deal of 5.25, which is in, which is still pretty kind of cheap actually for him. Uh, Matthew Boldy, as I mentioned, he has an extension now. Uh, you have Jared Spurgeon uh, with 7.5 for uh, five more years, um, or I guess 4.5 more years. Um, and then um, you have Jonas Brodeen on a long-term contract worth six million. So just something to to keep in mind with with this is that Minnesota still hasn't learned from the Parise and Suter situation where they're giving long-term deals uh, to to a lot of their players. Um, of course, like, you know, it makes sense to give it to Kaprizov and Eriksson Ek. Um, I could even buy Spurgeon because he, he's, uh, he's pretty underrated, but at the same time, he's like 33 right now. So I, I doubt he's, he's going to be worth that much. Um, towards the end of that contract, but We're also gonna have to pay Kalen ass yeah. eventually. Nice had a good rookie year as well. But, but it, but it's just something that like I don't know. Like it, it's crazy. It's that they like they bought out Parise and Suter. It's almost like a way of saying like, yeah, we know that we shouldn't give long term contracts to to players. I mean, I, I like the only one that's kind of worth that is Kaprizov, um, and I guess Matthew Boldy if he if he lives up to it, but. Um, but that that's part of something that's like, you know, it's just maybe it's another trend that they haven't even really learned from the pre-Zane Suter stuff. Um, that they're still, like, they they're still um, have some penalties for because they're, uh, uh, pre and Suter are both being paid 6.3 this year. They're gonna be paid 7.3 for the next two years. Um, uh, in, in buyouts, so um, yeah, they're, <laughs> they're I, I, that part I don't really understand, but um, but it, it does make sense to to lock Boldy up long term because he's going to be a he he is already a pretty good player, um, and he's only twenty one years old. Timing also is everything because yeah. um, I don't know if you noticed, but. Um, he uh, was going to be a restricted free agent after this season. And like you said, they're paying a lot of money to a lot of guys. If he catches fire in the second half, really impresses in the playoffs, all of a sudden that screams offer sheet if you don't sign him fast yeah. enough. And I that takes that threat off yeah. the table right away. Yeah, that's so, a good point. So the fact that they got this out of the way is actually good timing and an affordable seven by seven rate. I mean, it may 
seem pretty expensive for a guy that's been in the league a year and a half, but if he yeah. continues to produce at this rate and he continues to get better, I'm fine with it. Also, it should be noted, the first three years, $8 million in year one, 9.7 in year two, and 7.7 in year three. And then in the final four years, it goes down to $6 million or just under $6 million. And when that dip goes, Kaprizov needs a new contract. So my guess is Bill Guerin knows, okay, we're probably going to have to pay Kaprizov a fair bit more than what we're paying him right now. So we're going to get most of Boldy's contract paid off within the next three years. Right. So when it comes time to sign Kaprizov and the Parisian super buyouts are out of the way, we actually have enough money to potentially keep Kirill Kaprizov in the fold, assuming, of course, he wants to stay in Minnesota. Um, so I think that's part of it. Ten-team no trade for Matthew Boldy, but that uh, kicks in year six and year seven. So the first five years of his deal, they can trade him wherever, basically, if it comes to that. Again, hopefully it won't, and he'll be a key part of this offense for uh, many years to come. Shooting percentage has gone down just a bit, but that's largely because he's been getting more shots on target. He has 133 shots in 45 games and 113 shots in 47 last year, and he's almost matched his goal total from last season, 15 last year. 14 in just 45 games uh, this season. Um, and that part of the reason for that is because his ice time has gone up. 15.22 per game last year, 17.41 per game this year. So it's gone up by two minutes and change. And uh, the power play in particular has shot up considerably. 2.21 per uh, game on the power play last year. This year it's shot up to 3.51. So that's an extra minute 30. And uh, the power play numbers are a bit higher than this year, but uh, not by a wide margin. 3, 7, and 10 last year, 6, 10, and 16 uh, to date this season. So, uh, like I said, for a 21-year-old, two frame, a lot of room to grow. In theory, he's only going to get better. And um, a top six role that you can depend on. I think, I'm not going to say he's going to explode like Tage Thompson next year, but... I definitely think he can be a consistent 70 to 80 point guy for Minnesota. And for, for them, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, and also like they have Marco Rossi still in the system. You mentioned. Um, yeah. And he hasn't exploded yet. He, yeah, yeah. Uh, mark my words, his day's coming. Oh, yeah, He's yeah, going to yeah. go it's, off. Yeah, I agree. It, I thought it was going to be this season, but it might be next season. Yeah. Um, it's, and, it, sometimes it takes time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, um, and yeah, and and Kalen Addison, as you mentioned too. So they have, and we haven't even seen Jesper Wallstead in his truest form as well. So they have a yeah. lot of good prospects in there. Kalen Addison is probably the main reason why Matt Dumba just became a lot more expendable. Yeah, I think fair. there was still a chance he could re up in Minnesota, but now that Kalen Addison's really taken off, I don't think there's really much of a need to keep Dumba when you yeah. need cap space elsewhere and voids to fill elsewhere. So yeah, yeah, that's it, true. It's, it pays to have good defensemen on your team and a bevy of them because if you have to trade away one of them, it might not hurt as much as you think. So also, Jared Spurgeon's having a pretty good season too. So uh, yeah, and he's points. he's their captain. He's the heart and soul of yeah. that team too. So bonus yeah. for them. Uh, he has twenty-two points in forty-five games. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, Kalen Addison has 23 points in 44 games. Um, and so that's 0.52 points per game, whereas for Jared Spurgeon, he has 0.49. So slightly more points per game than Spurgeon. Um, okay, uh, so we now go to um, the next signing here. Actually happened 
uh, like a day before we recorded, but we we had a lot on our plate. I forget the exact reason why we didn't do it. I think it was mostly just because we had a lot to talk about it yet, last Yeah, week. we hadn't recorded in like about yeah, a month. That's we had why, a fair yeah. bit to get to, so yep. we decided to chill it. Right, 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 which is fair. Um, so we, uh, so Pavel Zaka, uh, he signs a four-year deal extension um, and worth $4.75 million. Um, Pavel Zaka is having a pretty much a career year this year, uh, 30 points in 45 games. Um, he's on the second line with Krejci and Pasternak. Um, and, uh, yeah, he, he's kind of living up to that, that trade as well, as well. Um, and it's interesting too, cause at the start of the season, I was thinking like, even when they got Krejci and Bergeron decided to stay one more year, I was thinking like. Okay, so it's going to be like Marshawn, Bergeron, Pasternak, Hall, Krejci, and DeBrusque as your top six, which is pretty good. But then you have, and then I thought like Zaka would be like on the third line, either as a left winger or a center. And um, yeah, Zaka is now on the second line um, instead of Taylor Hall, uh, which is which is crazy when you think about it. But um, but it also just tells you how good the Bruins are doing, just depth-wise. Um, yeah, this is a pretty good deal. I'm, I'm pretty, like it, it is a lot, but, uh, but at the same time, the Bruins, their their situation is mostly just trying to get David Pasternak signed, um, and they have a lot of UFAs this coming year. Um, that's that um, like you, they can manage the cap pretty well. Um, so, just for reference here, Pasternak's the UFA, so is Nick Foligno, so is Craig Smith, so is Pat- Patrice Bergeron, so is Thomas Nosek, so is David Krejci, and uh, lastly, so is Connor Clifton. And then as for RFAs, you have Trevor, uh, Trent Frederick, um, y- y- Juna Kupanen, um, and uh, Jeremy Swayman. So of that list of guys that you would love to re-sign is uh, David Pasternak and, yeah. and, and uh, Jeremy Swayman. Um, and of course, Patrice Bergeron, but I would imagine this is his last year. Same with David Krejci. So this team is going to be a completely different team next year um, because of all these like free agents that they have. So like, yeah, at, at this price, $4.75 million for four more years. Um, yeah, I'll take that, but it's like, you know, it's probably pretty likely that David Krejci is not going to be on the team, but Patrice Bergeron is probably not going to be on the team. Um, so, so yeah, that's something that, that's pretty good, uh, from that standpoint. Um, what is crazy though, when I was looking at this is that like Charlie Coyle is making 5.25 million, uh, for four years. That, that's kind of insane to me, but, um. Okay, I love I love Charlie Coyle, but it's just uh, that that part's a little bit insane to me. But but basically, like this is all by design for the Bruins. Is they're they're going to like they're going to try really hard to win the cup this year, and then next year is when they start to rebuild a little bit because they're they're probably not getting Krejci or Bergeron back, even if they yeah, don't win I the mean... cup. Uh, it's tough to say on Krejci and Bergeron. I can see him sticking around another yep. year, especially 
um, if this year goes just the way that it well, does. Well, the reason why I say that is they both signed for $1 million with a lot of incentive bonuses, and that's going to take off from the next year um, from the cap. So so it's like that, that seems to me that they're like they they acknowledge that this is their last year um, in the NHL. Um, I mean, if they still want to play and they want to re-sign Pasternak and Pasternak wants both of those guys back, yeah, there's no. a universe where I can see both of them coming back. I don't know how much better it'll be, but no, I, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Like, I mean, obviously, I welcome them back. They, they are obviously pretty good. And a big reason why where the Bruins are doing so well right now, but. Um, I don't. I. I. I like. I just. Just. Just say I wouldn't be shocked if the, both of them retire, especially if they win the cup this year. Yeah. No. Th- this definitely feels like the Bruins' best shot yeah. in the last shot with most of this core yeah, uh, yeah. to win it all. Yes. Um, and their record indicates that. Um, in terms of Pavel Zaka, one of the things that. I think Bruins management, we talked about when Bruce Cassidy was fired and replaced by uh, Montgomery behind the bench. Um, I One of the reasons why I think they made the coaching change was to get the most out of the secondary scores. So like Charlie Coyle, yep. like Taylor Hall, but also Pavel Zaka and also Jake DeBrusque. And Pavel Zaka and Jake DeBrusque, uh, to this point, are having career years. Granted, Jake DeBrusque is on IR. But I also noticed that Pavel Zaka has been spending a fair amount of time on the Jake DeBrusk line this year. And it's interesting. Uh, 30 points in 45 games uh, to date on pace for 55 points for Pavel Zaka. Uh, shooting percentage is pretty respectable, uh, 11.4%. And what's interesting, uh, yes, 30 points in 45 games, as I mentioned, only a goal and two assists on the power play. So he's not necessarily a power play threat. And he's averaging just under 16 minutes of ice time. Uh, just over a minute 30 of power play time per game. So um, he's not necessarily a big part of their offense, but he's uh, he's he's getting a, a points when it matters, and he's adding, at the very least, a fair amount of scoring depth for that second-line, third-line role that I think has really made the Bruins successful. It's given them that extra edge and uh, that ability to be as good as they are. And uh, that rubs off a bit on Jake DeBrusque, who has uh, 30 points in just 36 games, so on pace for 68 points this year. Um, His shooting percentage is 14.7%, which is um, highest since his second year of NHL duty. Um, That was a couple years back. Um, His production on the power play has been good. He's averaged over three minutes of power play time, uh, just over 17 minutes a night. Um, and his uh, resurgence in the Boston lineup uh, is, to an extent, uh, a reason behind uh, Paddle Zaka's improvement. So um, I think that's also part of the reason why they wanted to keep Pavel Zaka in the fold beyond this year is because maybe they feel he is a big part as to why Jake DeBrusque is doing well, to an extent. And I think keeping that secondary scoring intact if Krejci retires, if Bergeron retires, maybe they hope, okay, well, we still have Jake DeBrusque, we still have Paddle Zaka. Okay. It'll be tough to manage, but I think we can manage. Maybe that's the thought there. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure that this year is like all or nothing type of thing. And then, yeah, yeah. Zaka, 
Zach is going to be like a uh, like you know you can use him um, in your rebuild because he's he's still fairly young. He's twenty five years old right now, so um, you know it's not like I, I yeah I, I I feel like you can see what you have with him, um, and then and then you can maybe trade him in a few years. So it's not like too bad when you consider that, but. Um, yeah, yeah I, no, the term isn't the term yeah. isn't terrible. Like four yeah. years can go by pretty exactly. fast. So. Um, all right, we now get into the injury portion of <laughs> of our segments, and then we'll get on with our Vancouver Canucks here. Um, the yeah. we're we're starting off with um, I guess it's mostly just players that are out for the season now. Um, one is uh, Slavkovsky ends his rookie year. Um, he uh, he got injured. I think this happened a few weeks ago, actually. But um, he um, he has a lower body injury. It said that he's going to be three months out, which would kind of put him at the end of April. And at that point, the Montreal Canadiens aren't making the playoffs. So uh, yeah, he's he's out. Uh, Cole Caulfield is the main reason why we're talking about him. Um, I believe it's like a is it a, like a leg injury or something? Um, shoulder surgery. Oh, soldier, sol- uh, shoulder. Yeah. Um, apparently, I I read that he was playing with this. My my favorite thing. He was playing with uh, a shoulder, a broken shoulder, for the last two two weeks or or like the last two months or something like that. Um, which uh, you know how much I love when players. I don't buy that for a second. Injury. Two weeks or two months with a broken shoulder, there's no shot. Um, I could say banged up shoulder, but I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure the team would have him carted off the the ice before. Well, okay, maybe it wasn't like a broken shoulder, but it was something where he wasn't. I'll look this up while you talk, but yeah, he's out for the season. Um, yeah. They decide the best course of action is shoulder surgery. He's getting and he's out yep. for the year. A shame, too, because so it's a contract year for him, and he had 26 goals in the 46 games that he played. Okay. Uh, definitely uh, no first-half slump for him uh, compared to last yep. year, um, and easily the best goal scorer on their team. And you know, uh, at, He's worth at least, if not close to, what Nick Suzuki's making. Like, 7 to $8 million per year, easy. Yeah. And that's going to look like a bargain when you consider the cap is going to go up and what he can do on the scoreboard. I'm not going to say that he's the next Austin Matthews or he's going to be as good as Austin Matthews, but like you're looking at a future 40, pushing 50 goal score for the Habs. Yeah, yeah. They have a gem for sure. So, so it's unclear. So, yeah, he's undergoing a surgery in the near future, and an update on his recovery timetable will be issued after the procedure, but it seems likely that he's out for uh for a while um and uh so i did this is according to the athletic caulfield who has played uh 17 plus minutes in thursday's loss to florida has been playing through the injury for a while per the team they don't specify how long he's been out but he has been playing with a like a shoulder injury um and for, they for didn't specify days. exactly what's up with the shoulder just no they said a shoulder injury. just a, yeah okay. I, I mean if I, it's a broken shoulder no shot no no, no shot yeah played that, long. that i agree with but it, it is kind of like he he at least played while injured <laughs> and that's yeah. so so that that part it, it could be something where like it was it was yeah. like a fair bit of discomfort but like he could still yeah. shoot the puck but maybe he wasn't shooting it like yeah. he would normally used to when they figured this yeah. was the best course of action 
yeah as opposed to like rehabbing it perhaps but true um but yeah that's my favorite thing when players play while injured um you know how much i love that but uh yeah no i i I think for like both these kind of news it's you know along with like um i think uh there's like uh, montreal is pretty much binged up on not like carry price even with that stuff i I think there was there's another significant guy who's who's injured too but um, I would imagine it's Jake Allen because I've seen yeah. more of Montembeau than I've seen of Jake Allen. Yeah, that's that's possible. Um, but um, no, I think it was a skater. But I'm it's it's all right. It's I guess it's not of importance. But um, yeah, no, I, I I think this this makes sense for, considering like Jonathan Montreal. Jonathan Druin, it might be. I think it might be Druin. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's I saw it was placed on IR. Um, but. He, uh, but yeah, the the Canadians aren't going to make the playoffs this year. Pretty much a safe bet. Um, even with if those guys. If it's for Bedard, I'm sure exactly. they don't care. Exactly. Uh, so, so it, it, if if, it, if this means getting uh, getting Connor Bedard, yeah. I mean they'll take all that or good yeah. karma and wait till next year. And it, yeah, exactly. So it's it's more like yes, it sucks that Slavkovsky and Caulfield aren't going to be playing, but. It's more important that they're healthy for next year when they're actually going to be competitive. And even if they get, like, Fantilli, um, they're going to be pretty good um, So in, in the next couple of years. So they need those. Yeah. And a lot of that hinges on Slavkovsky and Caulfield to do well. By the way, I called, now that his season's over, I called that Caulfield was going to be pretty good So uh, this year. Yeah. And um, so I was right on that. Um and then also talking about former Habs players, Max Pacioretty, um, he played five games for Carolina. Um, if you remember, he had injury. He had an injury before the season, um, and yeah. then he was expect he he started he did play for January in January to his credit, but then he tore his Achilles on his fifth game back. Um, so it's a non-contact injury as well. He also had three goals in five games, um, so. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of crazy though. It's a shame. Yeah. I, I I hope they sign him to like even if it's like a one year one million just to yeah. like give him a chance to 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 make it right with the Hurricanes. But at the same time, they have a business operation to run. Yep. If the team uh, the team and the player really want to work something out, I'm sure they'll do that. I'm sure he'll he'll probably return if he's like I think he's yeah. now like an injury risk because he, this is like the second season where he's he's missed most of the games so. Um, yeah, I which assume, could affect uh, the type of contract that he gets. Exactly. It'll probably be a short term and it won't be I, for I, as much I, as like seven million. So. I assume that he'll be okay. Uh, Sean Monahan was who I was thinking of, by the way. But, yeah, he's been hurt as well. Yeah. What What's also interesting is speaking of injury, uh, I would imagine the Hurricanes are stashing that contract on LTIR and they could just get a bunch of cap space to do whatever with. Yep. Um, so any big name that the Hurricanes might want to go after, they can probably go after him now. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that when they make a big move. Um, yeah, they probably will. Yeah, exactly. Um, they can also probably trade Anti Ranta to create more cap space because they can assign Kochkov down to the minors. I doubt he's there for long. You'll probably yep. be up before the season ends. For sure. So now we get to the main topic finally. Uh, the Canucks fire Bruce Boudreau. Uh, they hire Rick Tockett. Um, this was kind of in the making for a long time now. Um, if just as like a reminder for people who aren't aware, uh, so Rutherford was 
Well, ben, Jim Benning was in, and he had hired, or he had fired Travis Green, and then hired Bruce Boudreaux. Uh, then, like a couple, a couple of weeks later, Jim Benning gets fired, and Rutherford's in. Um, but Boudreaux was still in the in the system, so he was just playing for the rest of the season. Um, and the Canucks almost made the playoffs that year, but they didn't quite make it that year. Um, and then uh, this year, it's kind of been a trial, uh, tire fire um, where the Canucks are still out of the playoffs now. But uh, Pe- Peterson's doing pretty well. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Thatcher Demko is injured um, yeah. and out for a long term and hasn't been right even when he was healthy. Um, so, so that was a big part of the reason why the Canucks aren't doing so hot. But, um, but that means that... Um, like this, I, all of this to say is that Boudreaux wasn't Rutherford's guy, um, and um, yeah, so he kind of said as much in the presser that he said last week, where he had mentioned that Bruce wasn't their guy. He has a relationship with Tockett. I think this was back in the Pittsburgh days, um, where Rick Tockett was the uh, assistant head coach um, for those Stanley Cup teams. Um, and he had wanted Tockett to to be the guy. Um, he publicly said this, by the way. Um, and um, and then uh, he ha- but Tockett has like a was in a contract with TNT, so he couldn't get him. Um, and um, and now he's like I guess Tockett is now available, and <laughs> TNT is okay with him being a head coach now. Um, and uh, and so now. Uh, there were, like, what was kind of crazy, um, I mean, there was speculation for the last couple of months, but uh, especially the, this last week or so, um, there were so many rumblings going on that Bruce Boudreaux was on the way out. Um, and the thing that sucks about this is that, one, uh, Bruce was 50, 40, and 13 in Vancouver, and that's pretty impressive considering the fact that the team was pretty bad. And uh, Thatcher Demko was injured for a while, and it's just like, like I know, like technically, if you don't count, if you count the overtime losses with the regulation losses, that means that he was fifty and fifty-three. Uh, so he he ends up with a losing record. That's still like four ninety-three percent, or very close to five hundred. Um, so that's pretty that's pretty good, uh, considering that that. Um, so Bruce Boudreau is still a pretty good coach, um, and um, and the fans didn't want him gone, uh, the players didn't want him gone, uh, to the point where the fans chant on his like there was reports on Saturday by Freeman that Bruce was gone, and this was in the middle of the Canucks game, by the way, um, so it was just like at that point I guess Bruce was like aware that he was gone because. Uh, the report was that they're going to, uh, in, they're going to put put Tockett in on Monday, uh, when they play that next day or something. But because of this leak, I guess they did it today on Sunday. Um, and and then the fans, at the end of the the game, chant Bruce. There it is, which is something that they they have always done, even last year when he was hired. It was just like a fun little chant that they did. Bruce was crying at the uh, at the end. You could see him. It was it was very sad. Um, and then there was reports that after the game, um, every like he wished the players good luck. And then um, 
and then in his office, um, every player shook his hand and were like hugging him and and wishing him. He was him having well a beer well. with the coaches too. He probably yeah. knew by then, like, yeah, exactly. well, I'm probably not back here tomorrow, so I'm yeah. just gonna open a cold one and call it a day. Right, 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 right. So also, an assistant coach went with him as well. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't I was, the only I was about to get it. into that. Yeah. So uh, the assistant yeah. coach is also let go. Uh, Rick Tockett has been hired, as well as Adam Foote um, is the assistant coach, and Sergey Gonchar has been hired as a defensive development coach. Uh, both those guys also have ties in with uh, Jim Rutherford as well. So, um, okay. Yeah, of course. It's like, yeah, to you get your guys in. Um, also, let it be known, Patrick Albin's the GM, not Jim Rutherford. Yeah. Um, who's calling the shots here? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, no, that's like is is Alvin just a puppet? Yeah, you know it's 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 crazy. Like the the Canucks had that like Mark Messier mess that happened um, twenty years ago. Of course, they had like the riots um, in twenty eleven. I don't know. This this feels like this is even worse than <laughs> than those situations. This is like like it's just like utter failure for the last ten years. It's not just this year. They're like just the fact that like they should have just put Bruce out of his misery right away. Like you're just letting him coach even with all these rumblings and the fact that Rutherford wanted publicly mentioned that he wanted Bruce gone um, and didn't even want him as a coach. It's just like and not to mention that Bruce is a pretty good coach. It's just it's it's crazy that like this is the state of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, and you sent me this tweet here. I'm going to mention it here. This is from Wick, Rick Delwani, who I believe is a van- – Rick oh, Dollywall. Dollywall. Yeah, is I, the guy you're talking about. He's a longtime beat writer for the yeah. Canucks. So he's yeah. he's been around uh, good and bad times. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry, Dollywall, for butchering your name. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, he was, he was saying here that Vigneault was fired in 2013. Gillis was fired in 2014. Tortorello was fired in 2014 as well. Desjardins fired in 2017. Linden resigns in 2018. Yep. Uh, Green fired in 2021. Benning fired in 2021 as well. And now Boudreaux fired in 2023. Uh, and then he says, not not counting numerous assistant coaches and scouts and front office types let, let go. So that's... Yeah, like Judd Brackett one, uh, two, being three, one of those uh, oh, yeah. masterminds that was fired behind yeah. the scenes. Also, Tortorella fired after one, one two, full three. NHL season. Boudreaux, over the course of a couple of seasons, oh, yeah, uh, lasted, season what, 12 to 14 months under, on a the season, job? A season and a half, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, like, this is the second straight mid-season coaching change that the Canucks have had. Actually... It might have been a season because he was uh, interim head coach uh, last year. So he was the interim coach, and remember there was a time where it's like, will they or won't they yeah. keep Bruce Boudreaux around? Right, well, right. maybe that's maybe that's why. Yeah. Maybe when they realized they couldn't get Rick Tockett, yeah, they're like, well, I guess I'll stick with our guy, and then they continue to lose. I mean, so. I, I I thought they would like they sh- like the right call was to keep him, but yeah, if if yeah, I did too. Yeah, yeah. But if they were unhappy with Boudreaux, like for whatever reason, even though like I would have been, I think the front about, office was not happy because yeah. why? Why else would the because, players act the way that because, they did? Like yeah, because the Canucks. I don't think he lost the room. Yes, yeah. just the, for whatever reason, whatever he yeah. did wasn't working. Well, no, the thing is, is that the Canucks were surging after he was hired that year, and it, yeah. so then it was well, just I mean, like this year it wasn't. Oh, uh, uh, this this yeah. year, yeah, but like. 
But I, I guess it's like the fact that you couldn't really fire him last year because he he made the Canucks better um, last year when he was in place and he was better than Travis Green was. Um, but then ultimately it's like, okay, if you're not happy with Boudreaux, it's like the wrong decision. But I guess I could that that would be when you would fire him. Yeah. Then you could like you know. Then you yep. committed to him. You yep. remove the interim exactly. thing. He's like he's our coach. Yeah. And exactly. then a season later, yeah, well, then he's not. Right. 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 Exactly. So, um, I I've been talking too much. I feel like so. Uh, what are your thoughts on Boudreaux? Does it feel like the Canucks don't know what they want? Yes. Am I am I crazy? Because <laughs> like. Not. Again, like I said, second straight season where they've had a coaching change. They've had similar flaws, whether it's the effectiveness of their stars, whether it's the team defense, whether it's the penalty kill, whether it's consistent goaltending, whether it's the coach's scheme not working to fit the needs of the team. Pick one. I I could go through the list of stats year by year, and I bet you I could find a pretty similar pattern in multiple categories. Mm-hmm. And the one constant, as the fans know, has been the owner, Francesco Aquilini. First, they're chanting, sell the team in the arena. Next, next the thing that they're going to do is probably do a UG Melnick and put up a billboard around the city saying, Aquilini out. Yep. I, I think it's getting to that point where the Canucks are absolutely fed up with their owner and they want him gone. They want him to sell the team. They made it abundantly clear. They're on Bruce Boudreaux's side. And uh, they've made it clear on multiple times yeah. that um, Aquilini is not the guy. But when you list all of the turnover over the past decade, just the past 10 years, and how little it's gotten them, the one constant is Aquilini. Yep. Even, even if he – it doesn't matter how many Twitter asks me anything he puts out there. The fans are still pissed at him. Yeah. <laughs> and that's probably not going to change uh, from here on out. And – Jim Rutherford is right when he, and we'll talk, of course, a bit about this later, but he says the roster needs major surgery, which I think is a bit of an exaggeration, but when you have similar problems with a pretty much the same roster for two straight years and it's cost you two coaches in back-to-back years, at what point is it the coach's fault? At what point is it management's fault? And maybe the management is to blame because they are bringing in some of these players they chose to commit to jt miller and then he yelled at teammate colin delia who for most of the season has been in the ahl and he comes in uh, on cleanup duty sometimes because thatcher demko's hurt and spencer martin is their number one goalie somehow and part of the reason why spencer martin is their backup goalie at the start of the year is because the canucks only have so much money to go around so they have to shortchange on their backups it, it it boggles the mind how the Canucks have just wasted years of quality Elias Peterson hockey, years of and quality Quinn Hughes, Quinn Hughes hockey. Yep. And it may seem like a low number now, but it's probably going up unless they right the ship quickly. And I think, sadly, Bruce Boudreaux was going to be out of a job because nothing he was doing was working. It could be a simple fact that, for whatever reason, the coach just wasn't a right fit for the team anymore. And that's fine. That's totally fine. But, for God's sake, give the man a little dose of dignity 
before you kick him out of the door. Yeah. Like Bill Guerin, when he kicked out Bruce Boudreaux out of the head coaching position in Minnesota, this is just before COVID hit. Bruce Boudreaux was very unhappy. He defended himself relentlessly. He said, don't give up on me yet. I can fix this. He was persistent. He felt in his heart of hearts he could fix this. And Bill Guerin still made that tough call. But you know what he did? He said, come here and sit in my office. I need to talk to you. He sit him down nicely, and then he told him the bad news. Yep. He found out through Twitter, man. He found out big game. Like, for God's sake, just—he—he he didn't need to go through that, and I—I I don't think Bruce Boudreaux could have handled the situation any better. Like yep. you could tell on the bench, he was still coaching, he was still acting as if you know he still had a job to do, even though he probably knew his time was up. He could have just been like, "I'm so over this. Just get me the heck out of here." But he persisted. He fought right to the end. He did whatever he could to get his team playing winning hockey. And even on his final day, he was telling Elias Peterson, I need you to be special tonight. And he was he was one of the guys coming in, coming in. Bruce Boudreaux's, one of his top priorities was to get Elias Peterson's confidence back. Because it wasn't there. There was that injury-riddled uh, 2021 bubble season. Um that Peterson uh, was fighting through. Nothing was really going his way on the injury front. It was a tough year. And then it was a tough start with the Travis Green regime. And then Travis Green goes and he tears it up in the second half. And this year he's arguably the Canucks' best player. And Not arguably, he is. This, yeah, exactly. And, and the fact that he was able to get what he could out of Peterson, I think is a huge win for, for Bruce Boudreaux in that regard. But for whatever reason, JT Miller, they couldn't get him to be the leader that he needs to be, but maybe that's not his fault. Maybe that's maybe that's just JT Miller, a guy that can play along in a pretty good offense, but he's not a go-to guy that you can trust. It's like Phil Kessel or Jack Eichel maybe he just needs to go out and play. And that incident with uh, Colin Delia, regardless if he, uh, regardless, uh, if he apologized or not, that's something that's going to... Yeah really sting at your reputation for quite a while. Bruce Boudreaux had to deal with a lot of crap, even before the past week. Mm-hmm. And he handled it with grace, he handled it with pride, he coached every game like it was his last and he wanted to win. And if you're a fan of his, if you're a GM of the other 31 teams, you take a look at that guy and say, that guy oh, yeah. for better or for worse is going to coach right to the end. He's not giving up. And he got a lot of PR points from how he handled it this week. Bruce Boudreaux is the real winner. And as for the Vancouver Canucks, we'll talk about it later. They have a lot of questions to answer beyond just introducing a new coach, introducing a new scheme, introducing, oh, here's how I'm going to make things better, yada, yada, yada. It's going to the point of dysfunction where they're a full-time circus, 24-7, 365, they got a lot of work to do to become 2018-19 Ottawa Senators circus, but trust me, at this rate, they're working on it. Um, this team, uh, need I remind you, this team made the Western Conference Finals in 2020. <laughs> that's not that long ago. Uh, that's well, One game away from making yeah. it, but yes. Oh, right, right, right. But, uh, like, yeah, still. For they... the most part, this team was... Yeah. 
was they that. Were, they yeah. were a pretty good team, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's just it's just crazy that the, like this is what they turned into basically. Um, but yeah, no, I I think um, I mean we'll get into it because we have a, I have a couple of questions to ask here, but. Um, I mean, I guess we already answered the first one was, was this the right move? I, I don't think, I mean, like, the Canucks stink, and I don't think Bruce would have, like, the Canucks wouldn't make the playoffs this year with yeah. Bruce. Yeah, still going bad, yeah. but they could have done it so much but better like, and you know, saved everyone I, so I think, much pain. I think the issue is more that, like, the roster is not great, um, and a lot of that has to do with how Jim yeah. Benning was as a GM. Um, like, it's not... It's not Boudreaux's fault that OEL hasn't yeah. lived up to expectations. Um, so yeah, this is part one yeah. of the problem, and it's right. several parts to yeah, fix it. Exactly, and so so it, it, like it was kind of the right move, but I think it's just how they handled the situation. Yeah, um, is more of what both I and it seems like you as well have a have an issue with. It's just like you know have some class at least on this like you know don't don't publicly say that you want him gone and not fire him just fire him <laughs> like, like yeah. yeah imagine knowing that he's going to yeah. get fired and he's coaching yeah what they freaking work on out they even had a guy yeah, exactly. they had a guy lined up to take his yeah, job exactly, right exactly. before they fired him and yeah. he knew about it like the t- day before yeah like, that's crazy good run man like how can you let that stuff leak out it's yeah, stupid. You know, it is dumb. It's stupid and it's classless. It is. Um, I'm a sense man. I don't even cheer for the Canucks, but I'm just so pissed off. <laughs> they did. They did Boudreaux so dirty. I'm, 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 I'm a. I'm a Bruins fan. I should hate the Canucks, and um, I feel bad. They for probably them. hate. They probably hate Aquilini more than the Bruins at this point. <laughs> I think they do. Yeah. Um, well, actually, on that note. Um, I have a friend in my league who's a who's an avid Canucks fan, and he actively tells me how much he hates Marshawn pretty much every time I talk to him. Um, so that's 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 where he goes with the Bruins. But he said in this chat that it's it's tough to be a fan of the Canucks right now. I wish I could reach out to Bruce, and the majority of the fan base feels the same way. Um, Aquilini needs to go. So um, that that's basically where where this the state of the Canucks are at right now. And there's also yeah. this rhetoric of like, oh, Canucks fans are one of the most toxic yeah. fan bases in the NHL. And honestly, at this point, they, they have shown more than anything. They yeah. give a crap about their team. They spot BS when they see it, and they're calling out the BS. Yep. They're not going to be fooled again by Canucks ownership. And yep. and we're gonna we're obviously going to mention it later as like what the Canucks could turn into. Yep. Remember that era? Where Pavel Bury left, Alex McGilney left, and the three-year Messier era was toxic. Yeah, this could be our generation's version of that if they're not careful. Yeah, for sure. Um, on the on the positive end, uh, Rick Tockett's not a terrible coach. Um, he's he, not. Yeah, and he has coached Oliver Ekman Larson, which yeah, uh, and, you know what? If he can get his game going, great. And yeah. the same with Connor Garland. But right, right, yeah, um, yeah. I was going to mention Connor Garland. Uh, his last. Yeah. Um, he did. He hasn't made the playoffs though. Um, and when he um, in uh, let's see here, one, two, in the um, six ga- uh, seasons that he was the head coach, that's including the time when he was the Tampa Bay Lightning head coach. Uh, he was out of the. Um, he's only been in the playoffs once, though, um, and that was in 2019-20 for the Arizona Coyotes, and where he lost yeah. in the in the first round. 
But, um, but yeah, he's not a bad coach. I think Bruce Boudreaux is a better coach. You know, I just, I just feel bad for Bruce. It's like maybe he just has like, I don't know. Maybe it's something that like he rubs GMs the wrong way or something like that. But it, it, it does like his reputation has always been like that he can't win the game seven, but he. He's very good in the uh, regular season. Players love him, um, even though he like wears sometimes very thin. Uh, fans love him because he's just a lovable guy. Um, but I don't know. There, there, there might be some. It's just, it's just. I feel bad for them because this is like you were mentioning the Minnesota Wild that I forgot about that situation. But there was also the time with the Ducks. He was also out of the Washington Capitals. So. Um, so I, I don't know. I just I just feel bad for him. Um, Maybe the reputation of him getting to the playoffs and not doing that fast enough in Vancouver is sadly what cost him. Because yeah, that's what that, everywhere he went, he made the playoffs. Vancouver was the only place where he didn't. True. And even last year, not like for the time that he was there last year, but, they were close, but they just ran out of time. But I don't know if that's necessarily his fault. I, I just no, you know, I don't think it is. It's I, like. I mean, yeah. Part like, what can you do? Like, how much good can you do with the way that roster is is constructed? There are obviously a lot of good, talented players, but not necessarily the most talented teams go far in the playoffs. Yep. Like, they're a collection of group uh, of individuals, very talented individuals. Yep. But are they to the letter a team? Not with what's going on behind the scenes and in the front office. I wouldn't say they're a team either. Yep. And, and to put this into perspective, because I just mentioned Tockets and his coaching history, uh, Boudreaux has been in the playoffs, uh, or has been a coach for the 16 years, and he's only missed the playoffs three times. And like some of, the, some of those seasons were when he was like an interim coach, so those don't really count. But like, yeah, so like he's been in the playoffs. Let's count it here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, uh, ten times in the la- in sixteen seasons that he's coached, he's been in the playoffs. Three different markets as Three well. Three different markets as well. He probably he kind of put the Washington Capitals on the map as well. Um, he did, and the Anaheim Ducks on the map as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's a really good coach. Um, I know that he's pretty old and he's probably sick of how how teams treat him, but I I can't imagine that uh, like there more like an organization would take him on right now even like it, it reminds me it like I wouldn't be shocked if this is like a very similar to like the Bruce Cassidy situation where obviously it did work out for the Bruins as well but. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, but like a week later after Bruce Cassidy was fired, Vegas hired him right away. So and that's working out well for Bruce Cassidy. So I imagine a team that is fed up with their coach at the current moment will hire Bruce Boudreaux. I don't know, like I guess that leads into our, our next uh, question here is where will Bruce go? I don't know exactly where he's going to go uh, because of like the fact that this is in the middle of the season. So, so maybe he waits till the end of the end of the year to truly decide on where to go, and there might be better options as well. Um, like, like let's say like Toronto um, has a disappointing playoffs for some reason, um, or not for some reason, but it could he, happen. He has said before he, uh, how much he would love to coach the Leafs. So yeah, yeah. there's that. So, 
So I could see that happening, but like, like the Leafs would have to have a dramatic exit again in the playoffs. Um, yeah. And um, so that that's definitely possible there. Um, but um, but yeah, I don't really have a necessarily a team in mind of where he wants to go. But he, he probably wants. I I could also see him because of how dramatic this exit was. He probably wants to take a break from it for just a little bit. But he's he's definitely going to be back in the NHL. Yeah, I I can see uh, if we're talking about off seasons. I'm not saying it's going to happen, and a lot of it hinges on what the new ownership might do. But maybe the Sens. Yeah. He I, interviewed for that job in 2016 before they eventually gave it to Guy Boucher. I somehow knew you um, were going to say that. <laughs> may, maybe Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith aren't around yep. next year. The new ownership takes a look yep. and they're just like, we have other people in mind. Yep. And if Boudreaux's on the table there and they're looking for a consistent playoff coach, maybe he's the guy they hire. Perhaps. Yeah. I can I mean, see that being a fit. I really don't want it being a midseason replacement because if he is a Dorian hire uh, and they and they chase DJ Smith out the door for whatever reason, which I don't think they'll do. I think they wait to the end of the year for that. But if mm-hmm. they were to make a midseason change, my fear is that Bruce Boudreaux is poaching there for half a season yeah. and then he's out the door again because yeah. ownership doesn't think he's the guy That's and in fair. which case he just gets his heart broken again. I yeah. don't want to see that happen to him. I do think if there's a mid-season replacement and I said it before St. Louis yep, and they cemented it last night against a Chicago Blackhawks team that all of a sudden has won six of their past seven but to give up four goals on the first seven shots to a team that is starting Jackson Stauber, and I'm sure he's a great young goalie, but he barely has any NHL experience. This was his first game. As opposed to a Stanley Cup winner named Jordan Bennington. Yep. With that defense, how are they giving up so many goals every night? And now you give up five to the lowly Blackhawks. Yep. That's two easy points right there. You got to find a way to win that game. Yep. And they're still giving up four to five goals a night. It's been what six weeks since I said Barube might be out the door. I think he's probably next. And it wouldn't shock me if St. Louis goes around and turns to Boudreaux and say, "Hey, we got a good defense. We need to get them in check. We need consistent goaltending. We have a good offense that I think you might like. You want the job." Yep. And Doug Armstrong is the type of guy that I think in win-now mode isn't afraid to make a, a significant change to shake up the roster. And I think uh, shaking things up, Bruce Boudreaux can definitely do that over there. Yep. So if I had to pick one team, it would be the Blues. It is crazy. Like, I know we're, we're getting sidetracked here, but it is crazy that the Blackhawks have won six of their last seven. Um, yeah. And <laughs> Shout out to Luke Richardson. He's he's yeah. getting them to win some of the games. That but it's they like play, they're but they're kind of like teeth, they're winning their way out of the a chance to get uh to get Bedard. So it's like, is it really worth it? Yeah, true. Um, although, although if the Colorado Avalanche had told you in two lotteries, they went from first to fourth. So. True, true. That's a good point. All that losing will only do so much. It'll just yeah. give you the best odds potentially. Um, and also uh, Jackson Stauber, um, it was his first game NHL game, and in the AHL he has played 12 games with a 3.06 GAA in the AHL and an 8.96 save percentage. Um, and yeah, he beat the St. Louis Blues. Um, also, think- uh, he's uh, his dad, uh, Rob Stauber, 
uh, nicknamed Rob the Blue Line Stopper because he relentlessly uh, came out of the crease, uh, Dominic Hatchick style, to poke check uh, mm-hmm. incoming shooters. Uh, he was, um, I think, a Hobie Baker Award winner uh, oh, yeah. with the uh, University of Minnesota Golden Gophers and also played for the Los Angeles Kings for a bit in the 1990s. Uh, didn't last in the NHL long, but yeah. his goaltending style was unique to watch. So I, when I saw that name Stauber, I'm just like, any relation to Blue Line Stauber? Sure enough, uh, his kid. So wow. there you go. Um, well, history. speaking of college hockey, because you mentioned that, uh, Jackson Stauber was also, I, I know we're getting terribly sidetracked here, but uh, he uh, he w- played for Providence College uh in 2021-22 season, where he had a 921 save percentage and 2.10 a GAA in 37 games um, in his last also six foot si- three, year. so a pretty a pretty yeah. big goalie as well. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. He ended up giving up three goals even the um, in that game. So it's like we we shouldn't be too excited. Uh, speak like we shouldn't say that he's the next Jordan Bennington, but no, he might be. But he's. <laughs> In a game where they were outshot 32-18 to 18 against yeah. a pretty decent Blues offense, he, yeah, he did fun. his job for his first win. So Exactly. But, yeah, uh, again, Anyways. that was a game the Blues should have won. And yeah. uh, I, I think that's one of those games that gets a coach fired. Yep. Especially when it's more of the same happening over and over. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I would be willing to guess if Bruce Boudreau, he's going to be hired again, I imagine. Um, I know he's old yeah. and he may – like I get, he could pull like a Barry Trotz and just decide to like you know take a rest a little yeah. bit, but um, yeah. but I could also like I, I feel like if he's going to go back into the NHL, he's going to um, he's probably going to wait until the off season for that to happen. But um, yeah, if if he were to be hired like right away like today, um, I um, like yeah St. Louis would is a good choice, but I also think Nashville maybe um, could could uh, could take him yeah. on. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. the only other no, one. No, I could definitely see. see um, yeah, John Hines the coach. Yeah, I could see. I could see John Hines. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if either Washington or Anaheim actually yeah, brought him back. Yeah, well, Anaheim, I don't think that makes ton of sense. For, well, um, I mean, Bob Murray's not the GM anymore. It's yeah, a different regime. They yeah, might have a they might have a different idea. Yeah, if it, yeah. I guess it's like a similar situation. Would you rather Bruce Boudreaux over Dallas Eakins once yes. the season's no, no. done? I think the answer is pretty obvious. I would, yes, but I I guess I'm just thinking that Anaheim is clearly tanking, so I don't know why you would hire yeah, a coach. I mean, that's why I mean next season. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant like once this, this year. season is yeah. over and then, if he's available, then find yes. the Ducks like. Yeah. You want to be in the playoffs, he can take you there. He's shown you before. Yeah, yeah, then I would agree with you. Um, but if I, I could see him in season, I could see Washington um, hiring him, yeah. bringing him back. Yeah, because uh, Laviolette's yeah. on an expiring contract. And, uh, you know, uh, they're they're pretty close to making the playoffs, so they could make that yeah. push. Or, I mean, or, yeah, or it could up. be a, an assistant coach type of thing where maybe yeah. just wants to lay back for a couple of years and just be involved with the game but not be yeah, front yeah. and center all exactly. the time and – you know, just yeah. have some consistency that I was way, thinking but. maybe the Islanders, maybe Florida, but they already have a yeah. new coach. Um, so I don't like I don't think that makes sense because they just hired a coach in the fall. So 
Um, so I don't know yeah, if that makes sense. But. I, I, maybe if Lule Morello thinks a bit of experience would yeah. uh, help serve the Islanders and Bruce Boudreau would be willing to serve an assistant ca- capacity, oh, yeah. the Islanders could be I a guess. bit there because like, they like, have a first-year coach. But like then if you're the head coach there, I'm blanking on, Lane Lambert, um, I, yeah. I would not be happy if, if he's the assistant coach. <laughs> just, just being like, hey, he's just waiting willing if Bruce Boudreau, if I'm that coach and Bruce Boudreau is the assistant coach, I would take every single ounce of advice yeah, he delivered. Because he's been to the playoffs and he's been to places of the game where I haven't. True, but you know so that the reason... If, if, you're, if you're a hockey mind who's open and willing to learn yeah. and welcomes any advice from the pros, I feel like Bruce Boudreau is a pretty good guy to listen to. Also, he's a pretty chill dude. I have a feeling Fair. the players and the coaches would really like him there. I guess all my, my point is is that if you're having... Calgary would also be good. Also, if Daryl Sutter wears oh, too yeah. thin in the locker room, it looks like um, he has, yeah. Calgary could be a good place too. Yeah, but um, I, I guess my point is is if if you're an assistant coach... Um, if if like you're if if uh, Bruce Boudreau is your assistant coach right now, you're probably like, oh, this guy's gonna be my replacement. Um, I need yeah. That. So True. so that's why I, Edmonton I would, also Edmonton also Edmonton's another Edmonton one. Yep, yeah. Oh, well, like pretty much half the league is pretty much who are who are saying. Um, but um, but yeah, and then also I wanted to mention that the fact that it is an interesting concept that the fact that Tockett was on TNT, uh, for these. Um, for the like the last like half of, or I guess he was for a year and a half, um, and it's just it's just an interesting concept that like these coaches go on to like a TV gig and then they get like they're more likely to, it like puts them in front of mind for GMs. It's like oh right, yeah, I like remember Tortorella. Yeah, Tortorella, same thing. It worked for Tortorella too. Yeah, you're right. So it's like it's one of those things. that's like oh right, I like you know like because if if you're a GM you're thinking of different coaches and you're like, and then you see him on your screen while he's like talking about hockey and, and all the knowledge that he has. It's like, that that is a smart way by, by Rick Talkett. I don't know if that was intentional or anything, but uh, good on you, Talkett, if that was intentional. Um, like a 66-year-old Barry Melrose. Basically, yeah. Anybody? Yeah, exactly. No, Wayne Gretzky, yeah, maybe, maybe that's why Wayne Gretzky is doing it. Um, but, um, yeah. Anyways, um, and then lastly, I guess we we kind of have saved this for the last. We were actually going to talk about this even before the Bruce Boudreaux news uh, hit, but um, but there the other thing that uh, Rutherford said in the presser was was pretty interesting. He said that they offered Bo Horvat a contract. I forget the exact details, but he said it some in some way of that they were. They gave him the contract not based on any of his performance that he's done this season. And by the way, Borovat is having a career year, um, and um, and uh, he's he has forty nine points in forty six games, so pretty good. Thirty goals already, um, and uh, it's very impressive considering the Canucks are not a good team. So um, so yeah, he's he's been very good. Um, he is also their captain as well. But um, it was it was kind of a signifying thing because it's like, like I, I I'm kind of mixed on this because one it like it's like good because they're they're learning from their J T Miller situation and J T Miller has come back to earth he's he's like decent but he's not like a 91 point guy um, like he was last year 
But um, so they give JT Miller, JT Miller this a lot of money for a long term, eight million that starts next year, by the way, um, and um, and then they're saying that they're not going to give Bo Horvat the money that he's doing that he's proving that he is like you know he's having a career year, so they like he's probably expecting a raise. And even if he didn't have this career year, he's their captain. He's he's a pretty good player. Um, probably not this good, so this might be his the peak season for him, which is fair. Um, so they are making the smart decision. It's just like it's just strange because this is also the same team that gave a long term extension for J T Miller for doing the same thing last year. Um, so, it should so have been reversed. They give the contract exactly. to Horvat and they trade JT yeah, Miller. They should have traded JT Miller, but that's not what they did. So now they're kind yeah. of stuck. They and, essentially picked one. And, yeah. and not to mention the fact that uh, Bo Horvat's 27 years old, JT is uh, 29 years old. So, you're like, yeah, I, get, I can see that Bo Horvat's probably having his career year. He's reached his peak this year. Um, that new contract for JT Miller also yeah. doesn't kick in until next year, yeah. so they're still paying him on that's his own yeah, I know. So that, that that's what I was saying too. So it's just like, like it's it's insane. So it seems very likely. Um, the all these reports are saying that they're probably going to trade Bo Horvat. Um, in a in a, like either this week, or, or uh, you know, in the next few weeks, they're they're kind of like coordinating that stuff too. So that was the other big news that's been happening too with. Like, this is added on to the Bruce Boudreaux drama is that, like, Bo Horvath's probably gone um, pretty soon. Um, well, here, here's the other thing. Yeah. Is you said that they're paying him for previous performances not based on his current one. Yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting that you should mention that because in his rookie season, he won 436 face-offs, good for 51.4% yeah. no, of draws won in his rookie year. And... His lowest percentage in a single season for faceoffs was his third season, fifty point five. Yeah. He had a fifty-seven percent success rate last year, and in a year where he had a fifty-three point seven percent success rate, he won one thousand eighty-three draws. Yeah. And he's also been um, per eighty-two game pace over sixty points yep. for or the past five years, including this one. Yeah. Um, he also has a single 30-goal season to his credit prior to this year, which was uh, the previous year, 2021-22, and now he has yeah. 30 and 46 this year. So even without his career year, he's a darn good player yeah. that you would want and a darn good player that's probably going to be asking for a fair bit of money. Yeah. So no, um, if there's a fair distance Not to uh, mention he's the captain. of what he's worth now, Compared to what uh, what he thinks is worth and what the team thinks he's worth, yeah. I think they're already lowballing him, even yeah. if they're not taking this year's numbers into account. Yeah, and and still he's also the captain too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. Not just and, that. and that was the other thing. It was like it, it felt yeah. like there was a divvy up between uh, player A and player B. Oh, where did we see that? Oh, the Mark Messier tenure yeah. when they chose him over Linden. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's Gee, true. it's almost like history's repeating itself. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, in terms of Vancouver's future here, um, Bo Horvath's a UFA. He's probably gone. Uh, yeah, probably Kuzma, gone. Uh, but I'm 
so you know, I'm just including him in our cap situation here. Um, yeah, they have Kuzmenko, um, who's also a UFA. He's he's doing pretty well. Um, he's a big reason why Elias Peterson is back because uh, he's on the same line as him. Uh, Lane Peterson, William Lockwood are RFAs on the forward group. Um, and then in terms of defense, you have Ethan Bear, who's an RFA. He's he hasn't been a, a bad um, a bad addition for them. Uh, Travis Dermont is also an RFA, and then Luke Shen and Kyle Burrows are UFAs. Um, and then in the goalie side of things, um, I guess it's just Colin Delia who's a UFA, but he's like basically their third string. Um, and as we mentioned before, the big reason why the Canucks aren't doing so hot is because the Thatcher Demko is um, out long term. Um, but um, I imagine once Thatcher Demko is healthy again, he'll, you know, the Canucks will be a better team. Um, but yeah, all this the just... part is uh, his numbers this year have been putrid, yeah. largely thanks to uh, yeah. the Canucks' failures. Yeah, all this to say um, that you 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 start when I brought it brought the mic over to you. Um, you were saying that like, do the Canucks know what they're doing? Um, yeah, do they know what they want? Do they know what they are? Are they rebuilding? It seems like it changes every year. Yeah, are they rebuilding or are they? contending and and that's that's the tricky question here because like because they uh, reportedly they said that or according to Friedman that they're looking for three pieces from Bo Horvat in a Bo Horvat tra- trade and one of them is a high prospect which makes a ton of sense um so not allowing teams to speak to Horvat in terms of yeah. what I assume is like contract extension talks which is kind of yeah, weird that's okay. also crazy yeah the crazy thing is is that they're they're, they they said publicly that they're probably going to trade him, and then and then yeah, you mentioned that a couple days ago that they're not allowing teams to speak with him, uh, which is just insane. So it's like okay, you're going to get gonna... the value that you want for Horvat. Yeah. I think a contract extension is probably yeah. the only way that's going to happen. But like, it, it would be so like this is basically like the like where history is, is literally repeating itself because this is exactly the same situation with Bruce Boudreau. It's like, what, like you want him out of here because you, you don't want to yeah, pay for. It's you like don't yeah, him. we want him gone, but we want him gone on our terms. But, but we don't want him to talk to anyone. It's just like, well, like what do you mean? He's getting out the door anyway. Why do you care where he goes? And not to mention that's like live. a. It's a giant failure, giant yeah. failure. If you let him mm-hmm. walk for nothing, like giant, yeah. like no, even that, that's the worst yeah. case scenario. Exactly, because he, <laughs> he lose him for nothing in free agency. Yeah, and and it might happen because they're not allowing teams to talk to him. Um, so uh, right now the Canucks are uh, let's see here. So they are roughly like twelve points out of the wild card spot. Um, yeah, they're they're probably not catching Colorado or Edmonton, so you can kind of call this season. Colorado off. gets hot and healthy yeah. as well. No matter how good Rick Tockett's going to be, they're probably not making yeah. the playoffs. Um, so that means that they're pro uh, they're in the sweepstakes for Connor Bedard. Um, so that's good. Um, I do think, though, that there is something, because I did allude to it, that the, this was a team that got pretty close to um, the Stanley Cup Finals two year, three years ago, um, or two and a half years ago, um, in that, that 
COVID year. Um, and um, I, I think, like, they they started to go for it. That's why they they traded for OEL and Connor Garland. And then he hasn't lived up to that expectation. Um, they also signed, re-signed Thatcher Demko. They signed Pedersen and Quinn Hughes, which were all the right moves um, from that standpoint, um, you know, even if you are rebuilding. So um, this, it's I, I feel like you can call this team a wash and try to like basically tank this year definitely trade Bo Horvat um as much as as good of a player he is but it seems like he's not you know if you're not willing to sign him for whatever you're you're signing him for um I I think it's it's ridiculous to um to just like not trade him at all and get nothing um and also, like, the fact that you have uh, Elias Peterson to sign in two years. Um, so that's something that you have to think about. Um, and, I, yeah, I guess Quinn Hughes is out for long term. So um, so I think I think it makes sense that you, you tank this year, try as hard as you can to get Connor Bedard. By the way, he's from the British Columbia area. So, you know, you can try, like... You can, you can try to get uh, Connor Bedard um, in Vancouver to get him Two to... Two games, however, uh, at home are going to make it difficult because guess who they play? Chicago and Columbus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Both lower than them in the standings, by the way. Yeah, I mean, but, like, you know, they could lose those games. It's not like, you know, I... like. It's well, that's, not... well, that's the suspicious part. It's just like, yeah, why wait till now? Right, but it's not... I mean, like, again, they're the not a good available, team. but it's like, wow... It's like, well, that could have been three wins right there. Yeah, but they're... they also take on Seattle, who's been good lately. But right, still. but they're not a good team, and they're not making the playoffs this season. So I, I think it's like you just have to, like, tank this year. Um, I mean, I, I think you could, like, make a... You just, like, rebuild, but I think the thing is, is that, like, the Canucks have publicly said that they're not rebuilding, which is the wrong move. Um, but I think they should yeah. kind of like rebuild, but I, I don't think I don't think they'll ever that. admit it. I don't that, so you're good later. Exactly, and I don't think they'll ever like admit it. But I I think what they should do is they should call this season like uh you know lost already, and um and then you can compete next year. Try to get Connor Bedard, and um and get as much as you can out of Bo Horvat. Um, and then, yeah, you probably make Quinn Hughes or Elias Peterson the captain. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you build your team around those two guys, which is what you're already doing. I, I don't know what you do with JT Miller. Um, it seems like you should probably also, like, I think Brock Besser just needs a change of scenery somewhere. Yeah, speaking of guys that need a fresh start, that exactly. guy, man, he's... Um, oh, personally, and this season, yeah. he's been through a lot. I do like what I've seen out of Kuzmenko. Um, JT Miller, by the way, isn't having a terrible season, by the way. He's not as good of a season as he was having last year, but uh, he is. He has 41 points in 46 games. Um, and, yeah, you can. I mean, maybe Rick Taki can bring something out of Connor Garland in OEL. Um, so maybe you do something there, but like, even it, like, I mean, you could probably get something out of Garland, I imagine, but no one wants OEL, even if you could trade him. Um, so, so there's that. Um, and yeah, maybe. My problem with JT Miller is just, 
in big games and big moments yes. when you need leadership when you need a big play it's just not there yeah, I, yeah. that's that's my big pet peeve about him right now but yeah anyway. yeah that that's true and it, it doesn't seem like he's a team guy either um so i um he, he's got a lot of growing up to do i still think he can yeah. turn it around but he needs to yeah. start turning it around asap uh, that's or that's fair. Or he, he will he will become a distraction that uh, the Canucks need to get rid of. Meanwhile, that's probably you know what's going to happen. JT Miller is going to be the next captain. Um, and, and, well, it, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. Would you say that? Would you say that Rick Tockett was yeah. wanting to expecting to be taking the lead in practice? It was Peterson and who? Um, uh, Quinn Hughes. Okay. Notice how he didn't mention JT Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, no, so right. I think his mind is is, is made up there, yeah. and it's also evidence just like oh, so not Bo Horvat either. Well, right. interesting then. Um, yeah. I I'm yeah no, it's that's a good point. Um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I I'm almost wondering, and and this is again the other thing is like Kuzmenko making Pearson better thing. Yeah. I mean, he is a guy that's having a great year that maybe you could trade. Um, for like draft picks and prospects as well. I think he could fetch a good return. But in terms of what the Canucks might look like, the worst thing the Canucks can be is be a team where nobody wants to go. And if they lose the locker room, and like I said with them until last week, the worst case scenario for them is Dreisaitl McDavid, one of them says, get me the heck out of here. I'm done. I want a new, I want a fresh start. I'm out. I can't deal with it here. That they risk doing that with Peterson and Hughes easily. Yeah. If, if this continues and they can't get their, you know what, together. Yep. So I, if I'm the Canucks, I also got to be careful about who I give away because you want to make sure that you sell people on Vancouver as a good hockey city, as a, as much of a competent organization as you possibly can but also sell it as a place where players want to play do you think players after looking at what they did to bruce Boudreau, are just like yeah i definitely want to go to vancouver it sounds fun over there yeah. no no no, no one's gonna want to go to play for vancouver unless it's to keep their career alive yeah. and and that's and vancouver's so much better than that the fans know Vancouver is a great place to play. The players who have played in Vancouver, like Trevor Linden, know how passionate of hockey city it is. And yes, it might be tough, but it's a great place to play when the building's rocking and, and the fans are supporting the team and, and the team is winning. Like Vancouver is a great spot. The Sedins are, are a testament to greatness. And I feel like you could go into the dark era that they were trying to get out of when they drafted the Sedin twins way back in 1999. You could be, like I said, in that uh, three-year Messier uh, tenure from hell that roiled the Canucks for years. Yeah, uh, They were rotating through goalies, players were leaving left and right, and it was like a shell of its former self compared to the team from four or five years prior to that that were taking on the Rangers in the Stanley Cup Finals. Mm -hmm. And you risk losing a lot of uh, positive PR if you move away from the wrong guys and the, also the way that you do it as well. So you want to be cognizant of the fact that like, okay, we're reshaping and rebuilding the roster, but we need to satisfy our fans and satisfy our players to an extent where they can be somewhat 
fully, uh, eventually fully invested, but somewhat still invested into the team where it's just like, okay, they have my attention. I'll wait for the next couple of years and see how it plays out. And Ottawa Senators fans had to develop that type of patience when all the chaos was happening four to five years ago. And a lot of people didn't take it and they stopped cheering for the team. And you know what? Fine. I don't blame them 100% for that. But the Sens fans uh, have come back, and I've heard some of the Sens postgame shows on the local radio, and I haven't heard Sens fans that excited since the 2017 run, probably, uh, since the 2000s when they were good every year. So the, the best is yet to come for the Canucks if they play all of their cards right and they don't go too far down uh, that... Um, that little hole that they're digging. If they if they start digging further and they enter hell, mm-hmm. um, it might get to the point of no return where they're going to have to make a lot of difficult decisions and say goodbye to a couple of faces that are probably franchise cornerstones for a lot of teams. Yeah. And it could all be their own undoing. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, that that's well said. I think, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because... After the Sedins retired, you're, you're thinking like, okay, this is just going to be a, a, like a team that's going to try to find its identity. And then they lucked out because they drafted Peterson. They drafted uh, Hughes the next year. Uh, Besser was already on the team, but, you know, he, he was pretty good. So you have like a good core going on. Um, so there, there still is some like... Like, there is still stuff you can work on if you want to be a competitive team there. It's just, like, just the fact that, like, they've fired so many GMs, they fired so many head coaches. It's got to be, like, such a headache if you're a player for Vancouver. Like, this is, like, probably, I think, I mean, I'm not entirely sure, but this must be, like, Peterson's fourth coach. Um, and he hasn't even been in the league that long. So, um, so yeah, it's just... It's just um, just a sad situation um it's almost to the point where it's like they don't even deserve like if they do win Connor Bedard they don't even deserve him it's just like they're they're a terrible deserve him more than the Hawks but yeah, yeah I mean after what well, happened with Boudreau, I yeah. I I think Bedard could have more fun elsewhere yeah I mean like they deserve him more than the Hawks and the Edmonton Oilers and that's about it <laughs> like you know and the Penguins but, if they don't make the playoffs yeah and the Penguins or or the Avalanche but yeah no it's like um, but yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's kind of ridiculous that if, if that does happen, but, um, I, I mean, I get, I guess I didn't formally ask you the question, but you kind of answered it. It's like, what does the future of Vancouver look like? It's hard to really know. It's but up to them. Yeah, it's it is. It's up to them. Plain and simple. It's up to them. I mean, you can literally say that about every team, but yes, you're right. True. Um, but especially the Canucks yeah. where again, how many times we asked, yeah. what are they? Yep. What do they want? Do we know what they want? Yep. And it's it, it. They need to get a plan ready. They need to stick to that plan, regardless of whatever repercussions come. Because the last thing you want is a team that a minute ago is just like, okay, we're rebuilding. All of a sudden, oh, we're good again. I guess we got to start spending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that was a bad idea. Let's go back to rebuilding. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you've lost half your fan base because you're still trying to figure out what the heck you're doing. I think this is it's it's clearly what happened was is that this was a team that got carried away after that um, that playoff run that they had. That bubble, yeah. the Demco bubble. The yeah. Demco bubble. Yeah. Might have been a curse in disguise. More exactly. Than a blessing, so but. so. Um, yeah, and then once they did that, then it was, like, all over. Um, 
All right. And while it's not all Reckman Larson's fault, I think that was yeah. the the first bad thing that led to a series of other yeah. bad things. I like I like OEL. It's just yeah, he's not like it was a crazy contract even at the time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it, it, it was it was just a trade with good intention, yep. thought of making the team better, and for whatever reason, it just didn't work yep. out. Like I also Matt like Sean Connor Garland too. Great player and great person, but just didn't work out. Yep. And the team, for whatever reason, tailspin. Well, Duchesne wasn't bad for Ottawa, but um, yeah, the um, yeah, it wasn't terrible. He was no, good, but but, but the, the better the better than had. OEL and Garland have been. Um, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then um, yeah, if you if you want to be depressed even further, I just saw that Ivan Provorov scored a goal. So um, I know it's um, it's sad. Uh, <laughs> watch him be like a like a great player all of a sudden now, um, but um, I mean, if 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 I was if I was to look at also the Vancouver Canucks in terms of in terms of how their success is defined, I think it also depends on just having the right guys in place in all yep. positions. Making sure the front office is sound, technically sound, that they're drafting the right guys. Uh, making sure that you're developing these guys along the way. Mm-hmm. And again, a big part of that all goes back to the guy writing the checks, and that's Francesco Aquilini. And maybe for some fans, they, they, they've already been lost. They're out. They're, they're done with the Canucks until Aquilini is gone. Yep. Similar to some of the Sens fans when Melnick was the owner and the team was selling off everyone like hotcakes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs, and and I again I don't cheer for the Canucks. Uh, they're not my favorite team, mm-hmm. but I I can understand when a fan base is being cheated and disrespected, and when the players are not being treated with uh, the proper amount of respect. Um, and you know what? Maybe they maybe they're uh, not the right team, or not the right collective unit for this team to do well. But at the end of the day, they're still human beings, and they don't deserve what they're getting right now. Yeah, yeah, um, I yeah. Um, so that's about it here for us on Lace Em Up. You can follow us on iTunes, Spotify, uh, wherever else you get your podcast. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is Lace Em Up. That's about it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Elser. We'll talk again in episode 350 of the Lace Month Podcast.